Welcome to Double Fries No Slaw. It is Sunday. It's May, May 1st. I can't believe we're getting close to halfway done through this year. Uh, TJ Pinger, Richie Barnes, back with you guys again for hopefully a little bit quicker of an episode. We say that every week and then it just never ends up happening, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens today. Richie, how you doing today? Doing good, man. I'm recovering. Had a long weekend down in South Florida, down in the 561. Shout out Silk, but uh, back home now and uh, ready to, to talk some Florida State. Let's get after it. So good stuff. Double fries, no slaw brought to you by Guthrie's in Tallahassee. You can visit both their locations at 1818 West Tennessee Street and 2550 North Monroe. Make sure to tell them that double fries, no slaw sent you get your gut box that way. You know, one day I'd like to go there and try like a chicken sandwich or something, but I just I don't know. I just I'm always they have chicken sandwiches and stuff there. Like I know that you know. Has anybody ever gotten that? Have you ever gotten it? I've no. If, try it if they had an Orlando location, I would definitely you know try some different items. But if I feel like I'm going to Tallahassee, I'm going to Guthrie's. I have to get the gut box. I, I, there's no going off script at that point. What's hard is they have a location in like South Tampa, but it is legitimately over an hour from me. Like it would be just as easy to get to Orlando for like Shake Shack. Like it's so like they have one in Tampa, but I don't know. For you, it'd be like if it was in. I don't know, something really far, right? Like, I'm not going to try and think of that. Altamont, where I work. There you go. Yeah, like, out by my mom or something like that. Like, out on the other side of Disney. So, anyway, if you had the chicken sandwich, let us know if it's good or not, because I'm never going to try it. (laughs) Um, All right, let's jump right into it. A a bunch of Florida State news, a bunch of things that we want to kind of note on and comment on and get, you know, kind of give some takes and get people caught up. I don't think there's a lot of breaking news. I don't think there's a lot of things that are just going to blow people's minds with – with what we're going to talk about here today, but probably the biggest news and the biggest thing that happened, Jermaine Johnson taken in the first round. Um, we wrote here slips or maybe falls to 26. There was some speculation around him, maybe going top 20, top 10, top five, even by some people. Um, but the jets trade back up to get Jermaine Johnson. And he is a first rounder Florida state's only draft pick of the weekend. We'll talk about some undrafted guys that did make some rosters. Um, made some mini camps uh, in different places, but uh, Jermaine Johnson, first round draft pick made himself a lot of money by ending up in Tallahassee this year. And it was a really cool moment to see him end up going um, first round really, really neat and, and a, a cool moment for him. Somebody that gave so much to Florida state in his one year, played for a team that wasn't super, super good, um, but really kind of laid it all in line and, and was pretty productive. So thoughts on Jermaine uh, being our only draft pick, but a first rounder. Yeah, I was, I was a little surprised, honestly. I, I told my wife, hey, let's just watch the, the draft until Jermaine Johnson goes. So he might go as high as top five, but he'll probably be top 10, top 15 for sure. Um, and she got pretty upset with me because you know how long the draft gets when you get into the 20s. Um, I'm like, oh, I get to see the Bucks pick. Oh, no, they traded their pick. Uh, but good for Jermaine, man. It, it, first round, like you said, it, we would have loved to see top 10. But still, first round, that's a lot of guaranteed money that sets himself up for and his family's up for very nicely. Uh, going to New York, I think that's a good fit for him. Um, just really excited. It, it was cool to see him and Coach Norvell there. Uh, and, and Jermaine, obviously, in one year, came to Florida State and just put his stamp on this program. Um, you know, that Miami game will, will live on in Florida State fans' history forever as one of the most dominant performances we've seen from a Seminole in a game like that. Um, and again, not as high as we would have liked him, but the fact that he went first round, um, sets himself up financially. That's that's really good for him and, and just cool to see. 
You're on mute, TJ. Yeah, sorry. I hit the button. My kids are running through. We just, you know, <laughs> the uh, the timing of today's show is a, is a little off. So my kids are like screaming and running through the thing, and I'm yelling at my wife and <laughs> everything else. So it's uh, it's fun over here. Um, that's why I was on mute. So, yeah, no, I mean, it was cool to see. And, and okay, so did you, by chance, did you read Sinone's article? I had an, Sinone had an article in Milster 4-7 that uh, kind of broke down why they think that, why, you know, some possible reasons why Jermaine fell. I never really, okay, so I would have been really shocked if he went top five. And I think, yeah. you know, top ten was kind of like, man, this would be really awesome. And then I really expected like in that 10 to 15 range. Um, but Sinone kind of details some things and I'll not give away like his entire article, but essentially the, the idea was Jermaine's a little bit older, right. As a, as a fourth, fifth, fifth year senior. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of GMs draft for upside and draft for how long they can have somebody and really just him being two years older than, the other defensive linemen that are drafted. I mean, that's probably two less years that an NFL franchise is going to get out of him. Um, he also kind of talked about how there's a once one wide receiver went, which the Saints, you know, shout out Jameis, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Once the Saints jumped up and got Olave as kind of like that second wave of wide receivers, teams then just started trading up for offensive players. And I think like 10 of the next 15 players were um, offensive at that point. And then when Jermaine got drafted, like the next five were defensive. So it was very much like, oh, man, once a run started on offensive players or defensive players, like other teams, I don't want to say panicked, but thought like, oh, no, I've got to draft. I've got to move up. I've got to draft what I need for this position. And it seemed like he was kind of unlucky on that side. Again, a little bit older, kind of makes sense. Uh, a team is not going to get as many miles out of him as they might out of a guy that's a couple of years younger just playing the percentages, you know, obviously I have no idea. He could play five more years than somebody who went before him, but kind of makes sense from that perspective. Uh, but there was smoke around the Jets taking him in the top five. There was smoke around the Jets taking him again in the top 15. And then it was the Jets who traded back up and and got him. Did you see the – I love watching, and I, I don't know if you saw Jermaine's or I saw uh, uh, – the kid from Florida that got drafted by the Bills, uh, not uh, Elam, yeah, yeah, Kyrie Elam. I saw, I don't know, I saw a bunch of them, but I love the videos that that they take of like kids getting drafted and getting the call from the coach and the GM and their families around them, and they're so excited, even when they are. Especially rivals, James like, Cook, right? You see that one? Yeah, James was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like I love that stuff. Dalvin was going nuts. Um, James was happy. really cool too. <laughs> Was, James didn't yeah. look happy. No, James. I saw like a, <laughs> I I saw like a a video from behind of that. Yeah, one. so, so Dalvin was like going nuts on the team. Yeah, yeah I Dalvin saw Dalvin going, going crazy. But but to your point, you mentioned the article about Sonoma. That that does make sense because you watch the drafts, and when one team makes a you know a somewhat unexpected move, it, it can shake the entire round out. Um, yeah. We saw that work out to Christian Ponder's benefit when he got drafted. Right, they had four quarterbacks in the top ten, and people were just you know, panicking, like we need a quarterback. Uh, the Vikings took him. Um, so, you know, either way, like we said, first round is first round and that's a lot of money. And uh, I think he's already got the, he's not going to be your typical rookie, right? Cause he, he wasn't like a college player here. He was like a professional at Florida state, how he operated, how he spoke to the media, um, how he went about his business. I have no doubt he's going to, su to succeed at New York. 
Um, and I think, you know, like you said, he's a little older, but I think he could do a solid, you know, five, eight years in the league. What's crazy, just talking about New York from, from that perspective, the Jets and the Giants had the two best drafts to me. Like, okay, all right, let me back that up some. The Jets and the Giants had the best first round or two. Like, I didn't, I was not following it all day yesterday. Like, I used to be really into the draft and I'd watch every pick and I'd be, but I just don't care now anymore. Like, I couldn't even tell you. I don't think I could tell you three people the Bucks drafted. Like, I just, I just, I I'm couldn't not. tell anyone they drafted. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, all this weekend. Okay. So, how about my buddies that were at the draft party on Thursday night? And oh, that's a brutal round pick because the Bucks played well last year. Um, and then you're there all night just for them to trade it away. There almost should be like a rule against that. Like if you – not a rule against it, but like I don't know. you got to – I mean I get it like if you're going to get more value. Yeah. But if you throw a draft party, like you got to – you can't not have a pick that night. Can't like Imagine just, being like, like – just Especially – or like you got to like talk to the NFL and say like, hey, we just got the 33rd pick. Like just let us make this tonight. Like, let us, we're going to, or just like, we're going to announce it. We won't officially make the pick until tomorrow, but we're going to announce who our pick is tonight. So that the people at the party, like, I don't know. That's terrible. <laughs> I could not so, imagine. It's a free event. So I don't feel that bad, but like, still you go there for four hours, five hours. And you're just like, see ya. <laughs> no pick. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a free event. Like, cause I'm a season ticket holder. So we got invited. I'm like, I'm not going to Tampa. I wouldn't go to, down the street for a draft party for the 27th pick. But they, they use it to sell like a bunch of stuff. They try and sell season tickets and a bunch of merch and everything. Imagine that, you know, meeting the sales rep and getting talks into season tickets, getting all excited about the pick, and then you don't get one that day. That yeah, that would have been brutal. But I the only reason I was up oh, for the season tickets are all trade. sold out. So they yeah. The, the only way I was up to see the um uh pick was because I was waiting to see Jermaine get drafted. Um then yeah. I saw us traded away. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to bed now. Yeah, I uh once I saw Jermaine get drafted, I was like, oh, there's only five or six picks left. Like, I'll, I'll stay up for the rest of this, like, at this point. But, um, no, really cool for Jermaine. Really happy for him. The Jets, like I said, had a great draft. I thought the Giants had a great draft. Um, so, I, hopefully the Jets are good. I mean, they're in a very tough division. We mentioned uh, Elam going to Buffalo, which makes that defense even better. But, um, you know, the, I think the Jets, that division's tough. And, and I think the Dolphins are kind of up and coming, too, like, even though they're not great, I mean they're a they're a solid like seven and ten team. Yeah. I hate that there aren't sixteen games. Like I think it should go back down. But there are solid. There's no easy win in the in the yeah. East. The Patriots like, are always not, tough. It's not like we have the Falcons. Like we chalk that up, right? But there's yeah, none Falcons of that. Falcons and in the, Panthers in the East for anybody. Yeah. yeah. The so I don't know. Hopefully he balls out for like three years and then goes somewhere else. I was hoping the Saints would take him. Yeah, I thought he'd be really good in New Orleans. Like just go to a good. Because he was kind of in that range, or the Vikings. I thought the Vikings would be really good for him. Um, I think he's from Minnesota, if I remember that correctly, or like from. So I think that'd have been really cool. So all right, some undressed. So shout out Jermaine Johnson, really really cool. Um, He will like you know those one year guys are you know kind of few and far between. Obviously, think about Walter Jones. I mean, I don't remember Walter Jones because you know nineties and. It wasn't like an offensive line stand in the late nineties, but uh or mid to late nineties. But uh you think about like Walter Jones being there and like there's a lot of one one year guys that kind of come in and maybe you remember him, maybe you don't. You kind of like hear about him later, you're like, Oh yeah, that guy. Jermaine Johnson will be an absolute legend in FSU history forever. For not only like you just mentioned, the way he carried himself off the field, 
um, the way that he um, played on the field, obviously like defensively winning the Miami game single-handedly, um, nearly delivering the Clemson win, uh, just, you know, pretty, pretty impressive stuff. And uh, couldn't be happier for him. Absolutely deserves it. Made the most of an opportunity. We always talk about this. We talk about with the portal. The portal is such a crapshoot, right? Like it is either you're, you're typically going like 50% in the portal. That's why they take like 10 guys because five of them are going to produce and five aren't. Um, an absolute story of a, of a guy who took an opportunity in the portal, literally turned down a national championship to go out and do what was best for his career. And it certainly paid off. So shout out Jermaine Johnson. Super, super happy for him. A really nice guy. I got to chat with him a little bit um, in Tallahassee. I'm sorry, in Charlotte for the ACCs. And he was super nice. He was super respectful. I wish I had been recording. I, I think somebody up there would. I'll have to rip somebody's video or whatever. But I remember asking him about, you know, the Miami rivalry and getting to play in that and stuff. And he was excited about it. And so, anyway, great guy. Excited for him. And another first round, though. No. We didn't have to wait for the seventh round to see our uh, – our, uh, our drafted player get drafted. So some other guys did make some rosters or it got invited to some training camps some mini camps, things like that. And it's kind of all the same at this point, trying to fight for a roster spot. Uh, Corbin to the giants. That's one that's interesting to me. I, I don't, I think that Corbin has some, some upside. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know that he's a surefire lock to make the roster, but I do know that running back is the position that translates easiest from the college ranks to the NFL. It's, you know, it's a lot of like run through that hole. Right. So um, if he can, if he can have a good camp, I mean, hopefully he can make that roster. I really like Jay Sean Corbin a ton. I got a chance to interact with him um, when he got to FSU and he was just very respectful, very nice kid. I wish the absolute best for him. Not that I don't wish the best for all of our other Kids, but I think he has a, he probably has the best chance to make a roster. Is that what you would say? Yeah, I think so, especially strictly by his position, right? Being a running back that you, anyone who plays fantasy football knows by like week eight, week 10, you're, you're trying to find any running back you can, even looking for guys that might get uh, called up from a practice squad or anything. I, I definitely think if, if he doesn't make the Giants roster, I definitely think he ends up on a practice squad somewhere and he, he will, I fully expect him to see game action in the NFL uh, this season. I, I think he's, you know, he, he's not elite at anything. You know, he's no Dalvin or anything, but he's a productive back and he, he got very few negative yard carries. Um, and he, you know, makes the most of what his ability has for him. So I, I definitely think he'll have a chance. I don't ever see him being, you know, a true RB1 getting, you know, 15 carries a game. But I, I think there's a spot for him somewhere on the NFL roster. It'd be really cool if he could. Um, again, somebody who came in and, I, I, even from that first Notre Dame game this year, what did he break off that 75 yard run and then seem to do that? Like every other week, he'd break off like a 60 yard touchdown run or just do something absolutely incredible. So um, another one, probably the best second best chance to make a roster though. This one seems somewhat tough. Just thinking about how good that roster is, but Keir Thomas to the Rams um, that obviously came here, didn't get the notoriety, didn't get the, you know, as much attention as, uh, Jermaine did, but somebody that was absolutely monumental into this in this defense and this team having the improvement that they had over the last year. Kier Thomas to the Rams. That team is absolutely loaded. Obviously, they're the best in the best in the league. But uh, 
Kier got Kier got an outside shot at making a roster. I mean, what are his I, like? What what percentage you putting that at? I, I put him right around forty percent or so. I, I think you know the problem with him is he, the NFL probably looks at him as more of a tweener. You know, he's probably playing outside in the NFL, but you know, he played a lot of uh, defensive tackle at Florida State. Um, he was good in both positions at Florida State, but in the NFL, you don't have guys that are just moving around. You have to be good at one of those specific uh, positions, especially up front. Um, I think he's got a decent shot. It, like you said, it may not be with the Rams, but uh, I think he's got a huge, he's got a chance. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Now, if he can have a good, good camp, good preseason, hopefully he'll get picked up by somebody. I really liked Kier Thomas. I mean, he was, he was massive for this defense too. Jermaine Johnson got all the notoriety, all the credit, all of that. Kier Thomas was really, really good for this defense. Yeah. Um, and so best of luck to him. A couple other ones, Andrew Parchment to Carolina. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know that he's got a great, great chance to make it, but I, Carolina's not very good. I don't really know how deep their wide receiver room is, but you were talking about automatic wins. I don't know. I think the Panthers are just as bad as the Falcons. In fact, the Panthers worry me less than the Falcons uh, because at least the Falcons have Matt Ryan who could get hot at any time and like is an actual quarterback, whereas the Panthers like Cam Newton was just an absolute shell of himself last year. So the Panthers are not good. They're – who are you taking right now on a neutral field Panthers and uh, uh, Falcons? I'm probably taking the Falcons well, the, still. Because Mariota could just Ryan. get hot. The Falcons will have Matt Ryan. He went to Indianapolis. Well, I was saying last year. I thought the Panthers. Oh, yeah. Were, oh, but I, even oh, this yeah. year, I think Mariota's better. Who who did the, who did they pick up? Darnold? I think it was Mariota, wasn't it? Yeah, the, Fal- the Falcons. I'm not a Falcons fan. I don't know. <laughs> who did the Panthers pick up? I forget who they got picked up. Also. Um, so, anyway, I think uh, – I think the Panthers are the worst team in the division. I don't even think that's very close. So, um, Parchment to Carolina, Devontae Love Taylor invited to minicamp at Tampa and Baltimore. Is that right? He was invited to both. I think I saw this morning that he's going to go to Tampa's minicamp. Okay. Which makes sense. And then I, and then I also saw um, Chris Nee reported that uh, Jordan Wilson has accepted a minicamp invite uh, for the Bengals. Uh, with an intent to sign there. So um, okay. give them a shot. Check that out. So a few guys that are going to get their chances in minicamp through workouts. We'll kind of see what can happen. Fingers crossed. Love to see it. Um, what do you think this draft says about where FSU's roster is at? I think it says that, you know, we've had. Or was at. Much- you know. Yeah, I think I think it's just the product of you know Jimbo leaving, you know Willie Tiger coming in, and then Mike Norvell. So having two transition classes in three years with also Jimbo leaving, um, Mike Norvell's really just had to patchwork this roster. And you know we've obviously been extremely active in the transfer portal and continue to have to be that way. Um, but I think it just shows where Florida State is as a program right now, where we're not getting those elite guys that are surefire NFL players, you know, save a, you know, a Sam McCall that we got in. I think AZ Thomas has a really good chance. Obviously I think he could be a first round pick. Um, so I think all, when you look at the roster and you think about who could play in the NFL, when I look at it, it's mostly the younger guys right now, because we just haven't done what we've had to do in the past few years um, from a recruiting standpoint or development. So, you know, I, I think it's encouraging that the people that I look at, for potential NFL prospects are younger guys, but is Mike Norvell Bell going to run out of time? You know, I, I think he's got to improve the roster this year. Um, you know, obviously you lose Jermaine, you lose Kier, but I think overall the roster is better. They just don't have that huge difference maker. Um, but yeah, just, I think it just shows where the program is right now. What, what do you think, man? 
Yeah, I mean, just not a lot of star power, right? Like just, you know, and, and we trolled them and joked about it too, but same thing for Miami, you know? Very young rosters where you got rid of a lot of guys. I mean, there were a lot of guys in that 2018, 2019, and the 2020 class. Norvell's, was that when he came in? 2020 was his first class, right? Yeah, and the 2020 class that were like projects, reaches, Willie guys, just a bunch of reasons why the guys that were in those draft classes that would now be getting drafted are not there. Like there's nobody there from those classes to get drafted. They've either gotten booted from the program, asked to leave, weren't very good, were projects that didn't work out, they were reaches, and a lot of them are gone. Like there just aren't – I mean, I don't know. If you look back at the, you know, FSU 2019 recruiting class – and you look at like the top end of that recruiting class. I'm trying to find two four seven because I certainly don't want you know the rivals one here. Um, you know two four seven 2019. This is great live radio, but they'll live. Um, yeah, football recruiting commitments. This is good. This I think this would be good to look at 2019. I've heard Bud do this on the show before, so I don't even feel that bad. So that 2019 class, okay, Akeem Dent, still here, likely ends up making uh, getting, getting drafted next year. So I, I think so, yeah. I think that's so. A, that's a good one. Um, Brendan Gant behind him, Travis J, Dante Lucas, Quayshon Fuller, just entered the transfer portal, Julian McCray, Kalen Deloach, still here, has a chance. A hit. Yep. Um, Raymond Woody. Curtis Fan, Renardo Green, Derek McClendon, Darius Washington, Jarvis Brownlee, no longer here. True Thompson, Kayvon Glenn, Ira Henry, Jay Williams, Marie Smith. So, yeah, 2019, you've got two hits out of your 2019 class. They're going to work out. Uh, then you look at Norvell's first class, uh, Demory Tate, Brian Robinson, Chubba Purdy, uh, Green McKnight, no longer here. Toa Philly, still here, has a chance. Don't know that I'd call him a really solid candidate to get drafted or not, but we'll see. Um, Steven Dix, Ja'Kai Douglas, Corey Wren, uh, McCluster, Robert Scott. Robert Scott, you know, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there just haven't been those guys. And then you got a 21 class that's just, you know, pro- you know, probably has some guys in it that may or may not have a chance. Eh, I don't know. Probably not. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, there are some guys in there that will have a chance. But, yeah, like there just hasn't, you know – the guys from those classes just weren't good enough to get drafted, you know, or they didn't work out or they're no longer with the program or they've gone on and done other things. And so, I mean, I think it kind of makes sense. Now you look at, you know, if we had to, I think somebody asked on the spaces right now, who are the most likely guys to get drafted? Like right now on the roster, I mean, I Robert all younger guys, well, or fifth year seniors from yeah. So Cooper, you know, Fabian Cooper, Lovett, I think has a chance. Um, um I don't know. Do the off, do any offensive linemen? Does Gibbons have a chance again? Transfer, so it doesn't you know? It doesn't really no, matter. unlikely. Um, unlikely for Gibbons. Um, you know, you know, McCall Thomas. Yeah, the younger Robinson. Guys, Jamie Robinson has a chance. Yeah, another transfer. <laughs> yeah, so the the guys that that have a chance, um, outside of like Cooper, love it. Love his transfer too. Oh yeah, yeah. So outside of like Cooper and Dent, 
there aren't a lot. Yeah, I'm probably missing somebody. Some people like write me in and be like, oh, how could you forget this guy? Sorry about that. Um, even if, you know, I, I don't know what his future plans are. Even if Travis was to go, I mean, he'd be a transfer, you know, like yeah. I don't, you know, if he had a great year or something and went on. But then outside of that, like I just, who else are your guys that you think might really go out and, and get drafted? I mean, I don't think there's a lot, you know, they're either really young yeah. or transfers or whatever. So I don't know. I think that that is kind of indicative of where the roster has been. Now, I think the roster is in a better place today. This is a good one. Would you take this roster today or the 2017 roster heading into uh, the before Frenchie got hurt? 2017. I mean, there's still a lot of talent on that team. They yeah. just fell apart. <laughs> I don't think talent was the problem with that 2017 team. Um, I think if you had an engaged, fully engaged Jimbo with 2017 Florida State playing a, you know, this version of Florida State, I, I'm leaning 2017 at that point. Yeah, I. I think you're right. I mean, I don't think that that's really a question. I think the only, um, not not the only. No, no, you're right. 2017 because Derwin was on that team. Like I'm, I'm forgetting yeah. that. Like that team was loaded. Still um, some players then. Yeah, Derwin was Cam on Akers that team. Was on the team. Yeah, 2017. Was Tomorrow that his Terry. freshman year? That was his freshman year. Yeah. Terry, yeah, FSU football roster. Um, they were yeah. number three in the country heading into the season. <laughs> yeah, that team, DJ Matthews um, was on the team. He was a really team. good college receiver, yeah. Le, yeah, Levante Tate, Taylor. Yeah. Um, McFadden was on that team. Matthew Thomas was on that team. If he's there and checked in, Stanford Samuels. Uh, Ryan Josh Izzo was Sweat on the team. Josh Sweat was on that team. George Campbell. J-Rob was on that team. Kando was on that team. Yeah, it, it's it's not it's probably not close. Yeah, it's a loaded um, roster. Ted, Terry, Alden Tate. Um, we even had a good Logan Tyler was on that team. So, oh, Marvin Wilson was on that team. <laughs> Nazrul Dean was on that team. How did we lose so much? Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, Hamsel was so good. Yeah, your quarterback going down is, you know, yeah, a big reason. So having to put in a a non early and early freshman. So, um, but okay, so outside of that team. This is the roster that I think is the most – I don't know if it's the most talented or not. I think this is the most complete roster that Florida State has had since 2017. I'd really I, have I to go back that. and look at different rosters because, like, Cam was on the year the next year. Cam was on the 20 – you know, like, there was talent on those other teams too. But I think, I yeah, think this is the roster. 18, 19, and 20, the offensive line was so, so bad that they just didn't have a chance. They, they couldn't – put drives yeah. together because they were so bad i think like you mentioned there's there's less holes so we'd still love another we'd love a true offensive tackle that can come in and start left tackle we'd love another receiver due to the winston Wright um situation probably love the edge rusher but overall you're not looking <sighs> man we need to get three offensive linemen in the portal you know we're, we're not in that spot anymore christmas and naughty were on that team brian burns was on that team oh my <laughs> goodness burns is obviously a uh i'll give him a little no he was a sophomore that year so yeah, it's. I don't know how that team was so bad. <laughs> yeah, oh, five and six until Jimbo was out of here. Then we won two. So, yeah. anyway, yeah, but this is probably the roster that I'm most excited about since then, right? I think this it's yeah. the most complete. There's enough kind of going in the right direction. Let me stop looking back at the past because I'm just going to be upset about it. Um, 
Quayshon Fuller hits the portal. Did we not talk about that last week? I thought we talked about that last week. I'm sure we hit on that. I mean, it was just a note. We don't have to go in depth about it. I think it's, you know, a little bit surprising. But again, at the end of spring, when those exit interviews happen, it seems like Mike Norvell is very honest with um, where the players stand, whether Norvell's opinion is right or wrong. But it is what it is. Uh, You obviously wish him the best. Um, And just the latest portal for Florida State. Yeah. There uh today is the deadline. Um yep. it is May 1st. Players have to be in the portal by today to be able to transfer. If not, um they have to sit out a year. I assume they could still get a waiver from the NCAA. Like if something kind of crazy comes up, you have like a death in the family or you know, something negative happens at your school. Like the NCAA is, you know, or if you're just a star athlete. Like if you're just a star athlete and you want to transfer somewhere else. I mean, remember what was the the tiny kid from Ohio State that went down to Miami uh, a couple years ago. From Ohio State? Oh, Tate Martell, yeah. Tate Martell, yeah. Like, he just, you know, if you're a star or five-star. Justin Fields. Yeah, Yeah. just give you a transfer. No big deal. Um, So, anyway, today is the deadline for that. So, could be a crazy day. I haven't seen anything come across the timeline just yet. You'd think that, you know, by it's 1 o'clock now, you know, you'd kind of start to have some of that stuff out. But haven't seen anything just yet, but kind of keep an eye on that. If uh, we get through tomorrow – relatively certain that most of our guys here on the roster will be around, especially if they're impact guys, because they're not going to want to sit out another year. Um, so I think today's so. the deadline to submit it. And then you have a 24, 40 hour waiting period to where the coaches can try and re-recruit you and bring you back in. Um, so I think by Tuesday morning or Wednesday, but we'll know for sure, you know, who's truly going and not to say that someone may not, get upset in the summer and, and transfer, but they'll have to sit out at that point. So that's why today's deadline is important because if you're in the, if you submit your paperwork, at least today, you are eligible to play next year. If you do it tomorrow, you're going to have to sit, sit out a year unless you get a waiver like TJ was talking about, but then NCAA, I mean, what do they, what do they even do anymore? Yeah, absolutely nothing. I saw Mark Emmer is retiring. So that's interesting. Um, but I don't want to crap on the NCAA today just because I'm in a good mood. So yeah. um, Norvell's planning a second mega camp. 22 programs have confirmed to attend on June 5th. June, May is kind of some doldrums. It's kind of low news, not as exciting, not as much going on. We appreciate you hanging out with us if you are. But June's going to get hot, pretty hot and heavy. That's what she said. On uh, recruiting, it'll be pretty wild around here. So do you like these mega camps? Do you not care? Kind of open I think it's a- I think it's a great idea because you're bringing in, uh, you know, other college coaching staffs, inviting them there and building those relationships. And Mike Norvell um, has a pretty good track record when it comes to hiring assistant coaches. So camps like this are a good idea. And I think, you know, you're obviously not going to bring Clemson, Miami or Florida, but I saw Colorado's coming. I think Baylor's coming. Um, So other power five programs that are coming And I just don't see how that can be a bad thing um, at all. So I think it's, it's a good opportunity. And it's great because you're going to get a lot of talented high school football players. Um, and you're going to get some guys that may be a more group of five talent that will have coaches there who can see them. So I think it's a great opportunity for everybody involved in. And honestly, the kids might be the biggest winners because whether you're, you know, a low level group of five guy or, you know, a five star, you can come to this camp and there's going to be coaches there that are going to see you. Yeah, absolutely. So another little bit of news, actually, before we get to that, let me shout out Garnet and gold. Um, They have been with us for the last several months, and you guys need to go check them out online as they start to get in the new stuff for the fall. When the Nike drop happens, you guys are going to want to be all over that. Use our code NOSLAW, N-O-S-L-A-W. You get 15% off right now 
on anything you buy outside of autograph stuff and NIL stuff. We want to make sure that people that are benefiting off of their autographs and their NIL are not being, their funds are not being taken away from them. I will say though, use your code on the vault stuff or the Nike stuff, whatever you want from that's not NIL. And then go get those softball shirts because those have sold out. I think at least once now they just got a reorder in. So you need to get them quickly. No slaw. It's not going to save you any money on the softball stuff, but buy something in addition to it um, and support Kaylee Mudge, Sydney Sherrill, and the softball team's NIL efforts. Um, Garnet Gold is family-owned and operated. They've been FSU supporters for uh, since the 70s, and you should be shopping with them as opposed to you know, Fanatics, Alumni Hall, these other stores that are owned by Gators and people from Texas and here, there, and everywhere. Absolutely um support garnet and gold garnetgold.com code no slaw n-o-s-l-a-w um shouldn't be shopping anywhere else if you're a florida state fan um do, 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 do. graduation this weekend i saw over 70 fsu athletes graduated uh, student athletes graduated really really cool to see there were some notable ones that we've had here on the show um petra from women's tennis graduated jalen howell from soccer graduated I'm not going to keep doing this because I'm going to leave people out. I'm going to feel bad about it. But those two graduated, and we'll stop there so I don't screw this up. Um, Yuji Zhao graduated, who scored the game-winning uh, penalty kick in for women's soccer in the national championship. Um, and there were a host of others as well. A couple of big ones. Football had a few. I saw Akeem Dent did. But the, the two highlights are the two big ones that, that people saw. Oh, obviously, Sydney and um, – Mac Leonard and some other folks on the softball team did that we've had on, uh, but Jordan Travis and this podcast's favorite hero, Jameis Winston, both graduated this weekend. It was cool to see Jameis go back. It's been seven years uh, since he graduated, but obviously, you know, he's got a full-time job or two um, and being a, a parent of two and a starting quarterback in the NFL for six of the seven years that he's been gone. Um, pretty impressive for him to, uh, to get that done and uh, and finish up his degree, something that he promised his parents and himself that he would do. And so uh, hats off to Jameis. It was cool to see him back on campus. Um, I begged my wife to let me go up to the uh, games this weekend and a uh, little heard he was hanging out like where we would have been hanging out at the baseball game. And so anyway, not, not super thrilled that I didn't end up going, but uh, anyway, it's all good. Shout out to Jameis and uh, JT for uh, – graduating and all the uh, student athletes who graduated this weekend. Yeah. And especially with Jameis, because obviously he's got money that, you know, he has no financial concerns the rest of his life. His kids, kids are, are set pretty much at this point, but I think it's just shows that the mentality, the, the character of Jameis Winston, again, he doesn't need this degree, but like you mentioned, he promised his parents, he would do it. He made that promise to himself and he got it done. You know, it's seven years later, but you know, who cares? That's awesome that he, came back and finished something that he started, which again, I think speaks to his character as, as an individual and in, in the growth he's seeing as a, as a man. Um, so very happy for him and, and Jordan Travis. That's cool too. Um, I wonder if we'll take the Matt Leinart route and, you know, just to do the one credit hour uh, ballroom dancing uh, this year and, and just go all in on football, which would be awesome. But uh, knowing him and his brother, I have a feeling he's going to go for a master's degree because uh, again, he's another high achiever. So two very, um, great representatives of Florida state. Yeah. It was cool to see the pictures of both of those guys shared and 
kind of the the, the past and then the the present of uh, FSU football. Um, excited for both those guys and their families and what that means to them. And uh, and really really neat to watch. Uh, I, I follow James's dad on just about everything, and obviously he's been on here before, and he was kind of celebrating all weekend. So it was it was cool to see for sure. Um, John Butler testing the NBA waters, not fully locked in though, right? Like he could certainly come back. Uh, yeah, so he works. was one of 284 players to um, put their name on the draft entry list, um, but he's not fully committed to the point where he cannot come back. I think that'd be a really huge blow to Florida State's team next year. Um, the NBA guys love him. They love his game. They know he's a developmental guy still, um, but some think he can come around a lot quicker uh, than originally projected out of high school. Like I said, I, I think he had, would have a chance to make some noise in the ACC next year and have a really big season for Coach Ham. Um, so it, he's going to get the feedback and, you know, talk to his people and we'll see, but just something to keep an eye on. I, I don't know if I put what percentage I put it on. It, it's all going to be contingent on the feedback he receives from the NBA guys, uh, to where he may potentially get drafted. So like, like I said, it would be a big blow, but he's not gone yet. And then some more basketball news. Um, Ham hired an assistant to replace yeah, CY. He- yeah, Coach C.Y. went to Mizzou, so R.J. Brash, or Barsh, excuse me, um, Hamilton hired him from Boise State. He was on Boise State's uh, staff this year where they went to the NCAA tournament and set program records for total wins, conference wins, and consecutive wins. Uh, they won the Mountain West, so I, I think Cam has probably had his eye on him for a while. Um, and, you know, it, obviously, you know, Stan Jones is, is the the lifelong companion that kind of the – the Mickey Andrews to Bobby Bowden, but you know what? Florida State had to make a hire, and it sounds like a pretty good one. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know everything about this guy's history, but the you know brief research I did, it seems like a, another solid hire. Women's basketball. Speaking of transfer, women's basketball brought in one of the highest um, rated and best-ranked transfers out there. Coach Brooke and the team added Jasmine Massengill. Um, who played for Kentucky last year. She was a graduate um, who comes to the Seminoles this year to play a season. Um, last year, she started and played for Kentucky, averaging 33 and a half minutes a game, seven points, three and a half rebounds, and almost five assists on the SEC champion Kentucky Wildcats. So highly sought after transfer. I know that we talked with Coach Brooke about the portal just the other day. She had some news she didn't share with us just because she wanted to make it official, but the news came out, um, what, I think just yesterday, right, yesterday. that they uh, added Jasmine Massengill. So big pickup for them. Um, excited to see what they continue to do. If you missed our interview with Coach Brooke, go check that out. It's on, I mean, wherever you're listening to this, watching this, scroll back a little bit and you'll find it. Uh, Trey Cunningham absolutely dominated again, ran a 13.10 in 110-meter hurdles. Uh, fourth fastest in college history. The track team had a really good day yesterday. I saw they broke a bunch of records. You can obviously go to FSU or Seminoles.com and click on the track team to kind of get caught up on everything there. But they had a really, really good day, and Trey Cunningham continues to just amaze by being incredible, (laughs) like all the time. Um. He was great to talk to, but yeah, it's it, every time like there's an outdoor event, like I find myself looking up the 110 meter hurdles just because I want to see what he can do. But yeah, yeah, it's just an elite athlete. So, all right, I'll go around the horn real quick and then we'll get out of here. Um, try and finish up right here by one o'clock. We might do it just right. We'll see how fast I can do this. So, 
Yesterday, Beach Volleyball won their sixth straight conf CCSA Conference Championship. They beat number six LSU and number two TCU on Saturday to win the title. Really, really interesting match in which they led all five um, of the duels that were happening. They ended up dropping one due to injury that they had a big lead in. So that was kind of unfortunate, but that was the only set. That was the only point that TCU would score. FSU would go on to win three to one. The last one remained unfinished, but Florida State was leading in that one as well. They had lost to TCU earlier in the week. Um, got to play them back again after going through the elimination bracket. Um, really, really impressive for Florida State to uh, come back, avenge that loss, beat TCU. I hate that rule, by the way. I was texting Brett from Beach Volleyball the other day, and uh, I hate how, you know, like in anything else, it's double elimination. You have to lose twice. In this, you get through the loser's bracket, and you get to the championship. That's a one-match thing. That screwed us in 2018 when we lost to UCLA in the national championship, but it helped us this weekend because we lost to TCU once, beat them once, but we beat them in the championship and it wasn't double elimination. It had been really, really tough to have to then go back out and beat TCU again, especially with the injury going down the player, but it worked out at our benefit this time. So maybe that's the way to go and the way to get through it. Um, shout out to them for winning the sixth straight conference championship of the CCSA. They head to Gulf Shores, Alabama on Wednesday as the five seed to take on 12 seed Cal Poly at 3 p.m. in the NCAA championships. I think all of that is on, um, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think all of that is on like ESPN. So um, check that out or like, you know, like watch ESPN or wherever. So yeah. Um, yeah, each individual court of every duel will be streamed live on ESPN3. So check that out, 3 p.m. on Wednesday. They get started and then they'll play again on Friday, win or loss. Um, softball swept another ranked team, winning a pair of 2-1 victories against Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state was seven and zero going into um, Tallahassee in one run games. And they left Tallahassee at seven and two. Chloe Culp was the hero on Friday night as she hit a six inning home run to center field, which is the difference in the game. UF they take on UF this week in the midweek matchup, then head to NC state to finish up the season. I can't believe they only have four games left, but they're number three in the country right now. I'd imagine they stay there. looks like Virginia tech's going to sweep their series as well. So I don't imagine anybody moves around too much, but I do expect Florida State to finish up the year. I would not be shocked at all if they go 4-0 to finish up the year, but even if they go like 3-1, and I think it'll be a really, really strong finish of the season, and they'll start the ACC championship shortly after that. Uh, baseball won the first two games of their series. They absolutely beat the heck out of uh, TCU on Friday night. Had to come from behind last night. Logan Lacey hit a home run that was the exclamation mark after Devin Travis and Sherman Johnson shouted him out on the podcast last week. So go check that out for sure. Um, but uh, good to see Logan Lacey not only get back on track, but the boys win the first two games of the series. They're up five to two right now. So hoping they can um, get that sweep, be a huge, huge sweep against a ranked opponent. Um, both men's and women's tennis find out their postseason fate at six and six 30 PM respectively. I think both will end up as two seeds just based on how they end up this this season. Maybe a three seed somewhere. I don't expect either one to host, um, but we'll kind of see how all that goes. Uh, women's golf, it was announced this week, will be at home May 9th through 11th to host the Tallahassee Regional. You can find all this and more at doublefriesnoslaw.com. Click on the news and notes. Mike Ferguson does a great job of keeping you updated with the daily uh, – News and notes. He calls it the daily sauce on what's going around, going on around Florida State. Whew, I need a breath, Richie. You got any shout outs before we get out of here? Um, no shout outs this weekend. 
Um, all right. Um, I don't know that I have any shout-outs either. So I think that's all for us. Hopefully the baseball team can get this dub. Excited to find out where tennis is playing. Excited to find out what's going to happen with Beach this week in the NCAA championships. Um, if you guys missed any part of this, it's recorded on iTunes, YouTube. We put it up on Facebook. It's just about everywhere. Hit the share button. We certainly would appreciate that. Hit the subscribe button if you're on YouTube. We appreciate you guys for tuning in, hanging out with us for a little bit. We'll be back next week to talk all things FSU. Until then, go Knowles.